0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com
1: slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome back to
0: the Clear Jets podcast. Here's Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, it feels like it's been a minute since we've done one of these victory pods. I guess it has been, but the Jets improved to seven and four. And I got two words for you to describe this game. Mike White. How are you feeling
1: then? I mean, I'm I'm excited and how can you not be because I know for me personally, you know, I had I mean, I had reasonably high expectations in the sense that I thought he'd be efficient and solid and just lead a respectable offense. I know you had much higher expectations than I did and it turns out you were closer to what ended up happening than I was because I mean, we basically got Bengals game part 2. And uh you know, you look at it now and Mike White has started 3 games in his career in which he you know, played fully if you take out that Colts game. And two of them were just outstanding, extremely productive performances. So how can you not be excited now about what he could potentially be and what he could do for this offense going forward? Yeah, you throw out that Colts game, and I was kind of surprised nobody else was really talking about it.
0: We mentioned it briefly in the pod earlier this week, but Mike White looked damn good in that Colts game. And, Michael, who was the Colts defensive coordinator? Heberfuss. Who's the coach of the Bears? Right. Hit me. So I felt, I felt pretty good about this matchup. And look, it's a bad Bears defense. They're missing some key guys. Uh, And then you had a really good point earlier on Jets X Factor as to why you thought he might have kind of a good game. Bears linebackers really bad at pass coverage. And you thought that would leave some of the the underneath uh, stuff open for Mike White. But I think there's that perception of Mike White and it's definitely true. You know, he he likes to play within the structure of the offense and he definitely gets those check downs and takes the underneath stuff. But people kind of forget he made some big boy throws last year and you, you saw a few more today. Um, you have to be really excited and encouraged by what you saw um, from Mike White. So I guess we'll just start with him. Um, what was the biggest difference <laughs> from watching Mike White to Zach Wilson? I know there's probably about 30 that you could go through, but just how much different did this offense look? It really it really feel like they they opened up the playbook uh, with, with White under Center compared to Wilson the last few weeks.
1: Wow. I mean, where do we even begin with this one in terms of the differences? because you know you put out a tweet and you were like, Wow, that throw from White—I don't know if Wilson makes that play. And I replied to you. I was like, "Which one are you talking about?" <laughs> so it's yeah. uh, it's pretty crazy how many plays he was making. Where you just try to envision Wilson in that same situation. You're like, I don't know if he's able to pull that off. Um, because there was there was a lot of that in this game, and it really feels like the quarterback was the only difference between what we saw in this game. Um, and you know the, some of the previous woeful offensive performances that we've seen, and that's not to take away credit from other players who had really good games in this one, because obviously a lot of players played well. The receivers were great. I thought the O-line pass blocked very well. Uh, and then the run game, which we'll talk about, had some guys step up there. Uh, so it was a great team effort for sure. But at the same time, like we've seen it on film, these opportunities have been there for big plays, for very productive offensive games. And they just were not taken advantage of first by Flacco over the first three games. And then for uh, then by Wilson for the majority of the seven games that he played. So I really just felt like they were a decent quarterback away. And then Mike White comes out here and capitalizes on just about everything that was available to him. So um, it, it's really just the poise to me in the pocket. I feel like when Mike White is out there, there's just a confidence about him to where he's, he's not afraid to sit in the pocket. He's not afraid to get hit and he's going to make the throw with his proper mechanics, no matter what, he's not going to let the pressure throw off his footwork. And he's going to keep his eyes downfield. He's going to go through his reads. He just doesn't seem rattled out there. And I think it allows him to uh, maximize his accuracy. And it allows him to go through his reads and just make sure every progression is hit. And that helps you minimize the number of open receivers that are missed, like we've seen with Zach Wilson. Uh, When you have a quarterback who's confident and he just doesn't seem like he's afraid out there. Uh, Robbie Sabo had a really good tweet that I think kind of sums it up. He said, Um, It was something along the lines of, you know, if you don't want to get injured, you can't be afraid to get injured. And if you don't want to turn the ball over, you can't be afraid to turn the ball over. If you're playing afraid to do either of those things, it's probably going to be more likely to happen. And that's kind of what we've seen with Zach Wilson. It's like he got to the point where he was, you know, so afraid of getting hit, so afraid of turning it over, making mistakes that he just actually started making more of them. Uh, Whereas Mike White, it's like there's a fearlessness about him. I mean, even look at the second touchdown he threw to Garrett Wilson um you know that was very close to being picked you know maybe there's an aspect of luck to that one but uh just the fact that it is so close just kind of shows you the confidence that he's willing to rip that ball and get it through there get it through a small window just in time to beat that defender and put it in the right spot uh, at a big point of the game uh, and then after that obviously you know jets got a little bit lucky because eddie jackson got hurt in that play uh so that you know maybe the touchdown wouldn't have happened without that but regardless the completion was still great So. Uh, it's just confidence poise. I feel like there's, uh, those are things that Zach Wilson's been lacking. When you have a quarterback who has those things, it allows you to capitalize on some of the things that, uh, that Michael floor is doing. And these weapons are doing in terms of, uh, their separation and ability to create opportunities.
0: Yeah, he just doesn't seem nearly as flustered uh, as Zach. I think that's the right. biggest thing. And you talk about his footwork, and and we talked about it a lot in this podcast in terms of, of Zach Wilson complaining about the wind last week. And sure, there, there's some credence to that. It was an incredibly windy game. But why are Zach's passes affected by the wind and, and not Max jo- Mac Jones? It's because Zach is throwing entirely with his arm. And then you got Mike White playing in a borderline monsoon today, right. and he's still accurate. And the reason is because his footwork's on point. His mechanics are on on point. He's not just throwing with his arm off his back foot. He's stepping up into the pocket and driving with his feet, which are pointed in the the right direction. And yeah, you saw a very mechanically sound quarterback, but like you said, a guy who who played with poise and a guy who just, who knew where to go with the football. And that doesn't mean he's just a one-read quarterback either. He knows how to go through his reads and his progressions. You know, I think he has a very strong sense of where to go pre-snap, but when that pre-snap look isn't there, he knows how to go through his reads or get to his checkdowns. And I think that was the biggest difference between him and Zach where it's like Zach is displayed that he can get to the line and have a good idea of where, where he wants to go. And if the defense is is giving him the look that he thinks he's getting and and the route is there, you've seen him operate the offense in rhythm. It's when he has to go, when that, when that look, isn't there, when his pre-snap look doesn't line up with what's happening post-snap, he looks confused. The pressure comes. Then he takes his eyes off downfield and tries to make a guy miss. And that's when you see a lot of those, those mistakes from Zach. And you just didn't see any of that from Mike White today. I mean, I think, and we're going to keep talking about Mike White, but in terms of Zach Wilson, I, I hope you learned a lot from watching this performance from 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 Mike White. And I think, you know, it's a bad Bears defense. I'm sure Zach would have would have played all right today as well, but the, you can't take away what Mike White did today. I know it's the Bears. I know it's a bad defense. I know we shouldn't uh, start the Super Bowl parade just yet. Um, but the process by which Mike White was was playing today. It'll work next week against the Vikings. I'm not saying that he's going to go off for 300 yards and three TDs, again, but you've seen this is a guy who can go through progressions. He can play under pressure. He's mechanically sound. He knows where to go with the football. His teammates clearly like and trust him, and that'll carry over, even if he if he has bad games or if he is more of a, a game manager. Today, I think you saw a guy who, yeah, he managed the game, but he steered the ship today, Michael. I mean, he, he elevated uh, the team around him, and you saw that by just – the amount of guys he was getting the ball to, he was spreading it around. Right. I think Lafleur was in his bag. It just, it did feel like they, they got to take the training wheels off the offense. I mean, they, they really just got to open it up. And I, and we talked about it too. It's like, I don't think you move Mike White to QB two a few weeks ago, unless you're really impressed with him. That's not to say that you thought he was going to be maybe even this, but I bet you Mike White is a guy who shows up in the film room and is impressive there. And by all reports, he's been great in practice as well. So those two things, and the process by which he's done that, he had another year in the system and some NFL experience under his belt from last year. And he looked like a veteran today. And he looked like a much more mature quarterback than Zach Wilson. And uh, really encouraging. Really, really, really encouraging. Because once Brees and AVT went down, you were worried about the offensive production the Jets could have. I know they did it well against the Bills, but then last week was just so concerning. But the fact that you got to see uh, this type of quarterback play with this defense – it raises the ceiling of this offense and you, you kind of had a tweet uh saying a similar thing where you kind of knew the floor might be raised with a guy like Mike white, but now you're thinking, okay, maybe the ceiling's a little higher than you right. thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, I mean and, and you kind of hit on it like that. I think that's what is so intriguing about this is, you know, you knew he would be stabilized you knew he'd be better than what Wilson did last week. You knew he'd make the right check down and some of these things, but like, this looked like a really good quarterback performance where he's actually Elevating the team. I mean, some of the throws he was making on third down in this game, I mean, they're big boy throws. And this is in the yeah. rain, too, where, you know, it's the ball slippery and it's, you know, your footwork can be tougher, especially on that turf out there. Um, but he's just so poised on third down, making tight window throws. Um, and for the most part, the pass protection was good, but there were some pressured throws that he made when he had to. Uh, so, like, those are elevating traits that he showed at times. In this game and like you said it's the bears and all that but like say you want about the bears this is still the second most pass yards they've allowed in any game this season so you know as bad as they are only the vikings have put up more pass yards on the bears than the jets did in this game so and again you throw the rain in. the, the rain is just a big factor in this i know we're going to keep bringing it up but like after you just saw a game last week where the weather is you know a supposed excuse for playing poorly to see mike white come out here and then um, play well in spite of that is it, it just adds to the performance and kind of cancels out some of the, uh, what the bears defense takes away from it, from them, you know, being a weaker unit. Uh, so that's true. it was, it was just an LV performance in a lot of ways. And that's what puts it beyond my expectations. I knew it would be stable, you know, more stable and consistent and respectable, but I did not know he's like, if you told me he had to make as many third and medium to long throws in this game, as he had to, I'd be like, I don't know if he's going to be capable of that, especially in this weather. Um, There I go saying it again. Just put that disclaimer over everything I say <laughs> in this. I'm not going to say it every single time. Is
0: that your hyperbole?
1: That's my hyperbole for this podcast, something I'm going to say a million times. So that applies to everything. Just note that. Um, But yeah, if you told me the number of like third down throws he'd have to make and some of the separation, some of those throws like uh the first uh, throw he made to Gary Wilson at the start of the game. He had a tight window one to Corey Davis later. Um, I would be like, I don't know if those are the throws that he's going to make. It's more like, you know, if we run the ball well and you know, the screen game works and checkdowns are open, like I know he'll take those but can he come through and third and long and make these tough throws and he was able to do that. So, you know, like I said earlier, this is basically his third full start that he's had and now you look at it and you're like two of these games are signature performances there's the stat they put up in the broadcast where um he's at 195 or something like that in the first half which he obviously added more to and it was the most first half passing yards by Jets quarterback since he himself did it against the Bengals (laughs) so you know prior to this game it's like uh you know that was basically a one-off and we know the Colts game started off good but you don't know for sure how it would have gone um I mean
0: Johnson it was was looking pretty good (laughs) especially
1: with Johnson filling in well but uh but yeah, it's basically that one game. And, you know, I've been a critic of his performance last season. He threw a lot of interceptions. Uh, the Bills game was, you know, a tough one. But now you throw this one in and you're like, that Bengals game isn't, you know, just a one-time thing anymore. It's like two out of the three full games this guy's played, the passing game was electric. And not just electric, you compare it to what it's looked like without him last year and this year, and it's just night and day. So uh, yeah. this is this adds a lot to his appeal going forward. So um we'll see how he does against some tougher opponents in the coming weeks we'll see if he can sustain this but this this game blew away my expectations and it has to have you feeling excited about what they could what this offense could potentially be going down the stretch of the season
0: yeah just watching him I feel calm watching the game like I feel like yes. I, he knows where yeah. to go with the football I trust him to go through reads and find an open guy wherever. Every time Zach was taking a snap, it was almost like I'm holding my breath to see, right. you know, maybe something amazing happens. And, you know, it's a it's a great moment. But a lot of times it just feel like, oh, God, like he's just trying to think on the fly and find an open guy. I just feel like Mike White knew, OK, even if my first reach out open, I know where to go with the football and I can get the ball out of my hands. And, yeah, I think a lot of people t- we've talked about his poise and, and all that stuff. The two things that also really stand out to me with Mike White his not just his accuracy. First and foremost, I mean, sometimes he puts it on the wrong shoulder. He had one pass where he kind of threw it where to Garrett Wilson where it was a bit of a hospital ball. Um, so, you know, but but night and day compared to last week, he's an accurate quarterback and also his release. He throws the ball uh, with a whip-like release, which I don't think he really gets enough credit for. Uh, I know he doesn't have maybe the, the loose type of arm that Zach Wilson does, that baseball mechanic type of arm. You know, he's not going to give you those arm angles, those off-platform throws. But watch his release especially in that first throw to Garrett Wilson and the pop, the the, the sound of the ball makes when those receivers catch it, you go back and watch that Bengals game. And that was one of the first things I noticed. Um, and then you saw it again, in this one. And yeah, like you said, I think that's a good point. It's like, okay, yeah, it's a bad bears defense and they're injured. So how much can you read into it? But then you factor in the weather too. And I think you can kind of, it's maybe it's not a wash, no pun intended, I guess, but that was yeah, good. I think, that was good. I think, yeah, it counts. <laughs> um but the the tweet that i the 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 tweet that i had that you responded to where i said you know i don't know if zach wilson makes that play and you're like which one funny response but i think that was actually the best example it was the third i think it was like a third and four midfield it was right before they did second garrett wilson touchdown but pressure comes the guy mike white's looking for isn't there and then he finds ty johnson on the dump off and i watched that and i was just like I don't know if Zach Wilson gets to Ty Johnson there. Cause Mike White looked like he had to go through two or three reads and then find Ty Johnson under pressure rolling left. And it's like, it just feels like Zach would have either forced that ball or take his eyes off downfield and try to make that guy miss and make a play with his legs. And it just, there was a different, it didn't feel as chaotic as it's felt. You know, there was just right. a sense of a calming veteran presence. I know we had this debate a few years ago. Is, is Mike White officially a veteran quarterback? Would you say? I he count as a vet. A three, he's been in the league for five starts, years
1: with four starts. I don't know if I can call him a veteran.
0: Yeah, but that's a few preseasons in there. Some scout team reps. Yeah, I would call him a veteran. I mean, yeah, he's not a veteran, but there's definitely a difference in maturity from him and Zach. And he and feels I, like a
1: veteran watching him play. That's yes. for sure.
0: Well, but also you think about okay, he's been. This is his fifth season you know, he's had some NFL experience. He's 27. The guy's married. There's just a difference in his maturity and Zach's at this point in their careers, which is fine. Um, But the one thing that's really evident, and I know last week I'm like, okay, well, none of us in the locker room, so we don't really know how they feel. I stand by that. You don't want to make uh, overarching uh, opinions on how you feel like his teammates uh, feel about a specific guy, but it does seem fairly obvious that the teammates all really rally around Mike White. Yeah. I mean, you could just kind of tell that they, they really love that guy. Um, and that, yeah, no, I mean,
1: year, like, like you said, you don't want to assume anything, and, and they, they like Zach too. I mean, like, yeah, look, games. if Zach played like this and them, they won, he yeah. would be
0: also getting, yeah, you know,
1: blown up in his post game interview, too. So, yeah, absolutely, but you know, still, it's like you look at last year's Bengals game where they're sliding around on the field with him. Um, and, and you know, this game, it there's clearly just a it, in the post game interview, or like the tight ends were rallying around him, so there's, there's definitely clearly a, a spark to him. He's a and it sounds to say Zach Wilson doesn't have it either, but Mike White definitely has that element to him where he brings energy and a spark.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Zach Wilson, if, if they win, people will like Zach Wilson and that kind of that arrogant attitude that he might give off sometimes. But when you're losing and you're the number two overall pick and your teammates feel like you cost you games or cost you games, maybe that is something that you can read into. But a guy like Mike White, Who's bounced around the league? Who's actually been on the Jets for kind of a while now? He he has to be one of the longest tenured
1: Jets. I was thinking about it. What what year do they pick him up? Twenty nineteen or twenty twenty? It's funny he played Simeon this game because, like, if you remember, that's kind of what got him here because Simeon got hurt. Then they picked up Fails after that game, and then they got rid of him pretty quickly. And it was White who replaced Fales. So twenty nineteen, right? Yeah, so it was early twenty nineteen regular so season.
0: That has to make him one of the longest tenured Jets, which is kind of funny to think about.
1: Yeah, one of the few guys from the Gaye era in two years yeah. of it.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's just great stuff, man. I mean, I, I I'm so happy for Mike White. Um, I wish somebody told Zach Wilson to to maybe flash a
1: smile every once in a while every time they cut it, to it would, They should have prepared him better for that because you knew that was coming. You knew it would be coming. There they didn't to cut an, to that. I will say they did. Had to be they a did prop cut on it. How many times they would show it?
0: Well, they, they were cutting to him at random times. So it's possible he's just listening to the play call. He's focused or whatever. But he, yeah, he did look like, I think I'm trying to remember who tweeted it out, but somebody posted the photo of like Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. When he becomes like a Sith or whatever. He looks just all uh, moody. Some, in the hood. Someone at
1: Fox had to just be assigned to that. Like, all right, you're the Zach Wilson guy. Well, but they should have gone. To,
0: I, w- I would have liked to see him after a TD, you know? I, I bet you he was smiling. I mean, him and Mike White, again, not to read into things we don't know about, seemed like they were pals the whole year. So. I don't know, but I am, I am a little curious to see how Zach Wilson responds to this type of success from Mike white. But, um, honestly, Mike white keeps playing well and they keep winning football. I don't really care. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, we got to win some games here, but right. this type of performance for Mike white, again, got to see it consistently. You know, you can't just have this one game and if he plays poorly against the Vikings and plays poorly against the bills, maybe you do see Zach Wilson against Detroit, but this type of game does a long ways, uh, goes a long way in in terms of him cementing himself as the QB one for the rest of the season. Do you think gun to your head prediction not really fair after this type of game? Do you think we see Zach Wilson again this year?
1: Gun to my head, I say no. It's not fair.
0: It's not yeah. It's not I fair. Mean, it's not
1: fair because it's it's reactionary based on totally what reactionary. Saw. Very <laughs> reactionary, but I I mean I guess the fair thing says I think he definitely bought himself the next two games. At the least, because even if he's atrocious against the Vikings, you're not going to pull him based on, you know, what he did here in this first game based on one bad game. If he has two more atrocious games the next two weeks, maybe you start having a conversation. But that's if he's absolutely terrible the next two games. I think he got himself a lot of rope with this one. Um, So I think next two games at the very least. But that's I think it is only considered if he's really, really bad, which based on this performance, probably not likely but still possible you know yeah the came against the bills last year um so we'll see what happens but i think it's looking like he's gonna have some time to really establish and uh his grip on this role
0: it does feel like and you tell me if this is i don't want to jinx anything and i don't want to sound too much like a homer but it does feel like even if mike white doesn't play well even if they the offense is a bad game and they kind of sputter I really can't see it going as low as it did at times with Zach. Am I right about it? Just because he just seems like a guy who yeah. knows the, the offense like the back of his hand and he seems comfortable reading NFL defenses and going through his progression. So even if he, he has a bad game where he throws a few picks or the offense is sputtering, I just can't see it getting to the point where the, the offense is two yards in the second half, you know?
1: No, I, I agree with that. Cause I think when Mike White is bad, it's going to be because he's just not, you know, the most, physically gifted quarterback. It's going to be because the Jets are having a bad game as a team offensively and they need him to make big plays to overcome that and he can't do it. Like that's kind of what the Bills game was last year, you know, overmatched against a much much better team with not a lot of talent around him. He's coming off that uh the injury he had against the Colts and you know, you're trailing for most of that game and although they weren't down huge in the first half, but either way, you know, when you're playing a team like that, you're essentially trailing when the game starts um so yeah you're in that tough situation and he wasn't protected well guys weren't open and they needed him to make plays overcoming and he made some mistakes so I think when he has bad games it'll be like that and even that Bill's game wasn't it was absolutely bad but you know it I don't as far as bad games go I don't think it was as bad as some of Zach Wilson's worst games because he still made some really good throws in that game and it just like what I was saying it it's him going down with the ship more so than it's You know, when Zach Wilson has his bad games, it's like he's creating the holes in the shit more so than him just kind of, you know, it's already been bombarded. He's just going down with them. It's like Zach, the opportunities are there and he's not taking advantage of them. So I don't think White's going to have that sort of game where you look at it and you're like, uh, everyone else was really good. And Mike White kind of dragged us down. I don't think that's going to happen too often just because the mental processing and the confidence and just the knowledge of the offense seems really sharp so it's hard to picture him having a game where he is what separates the team from uh, where he's the difference between losing and winning you know like that's what I think the thing is it's more like limitations in terms of how special can he be than it is he's going to drag us down so so I don't know if he's how likely it is he has that type of game where he um, you know, gets kicked out of the starting lineup because he's that bad. Like He'll throw some interceptions at some point. But like I said, I think it'll be more the more the type of interceptions where it's like, well, Mike White couldn't carry us today when we needed it, than it is Mike White dragging us down.
0: Yeah. By the way, you saying going down with the ship just reminded me of that one time where Brandon Marshall was where he said, I think it was after the Seahawks game or something in 2016, where he's like, I'm going down with the ship with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And made <laughs> memes. Do you remember that? Do you remember a that bit. legendary Jets moment?
1: It's a little bit in my yeah. head. I'm, I don't completely yeah. remember it.
0: it was, I'll be honest. Who I had to remember
1: 2016?
0: The, yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, but like what you said in terms of, uh, you know, the, the limitation with Mike White will be, okay, but how much can he elevate the, the guys around him? We haven't really seen uh, his deep accuracy too much. We haven't really had to see him throw down the field. I mean, so we don't know where his arm strength is, but I will say you can, you can get a sense of arm strength on the, uh, on the type of zip that he's putting on, on passes. So I don't think he has a noodle arm, Um, but it'll be curious to see when he's tasked with, you know, throwing that 45, 50 yard nine route uh, to Garrett Wilson. And can he do it? And can he hit him in stride because his short and intermediate accuracy has been, has been pretty impressive. And then, you know, we've been talking a lot about, or we talked about it. I don't think we even talked about it last week. You just had your, your background on zoom as Jimmy Garoppolo um, because after that, that (laughs) Pat's game, a lot of jets fans were saying, well, maybe the Jets have just signed Jimmy Garoppolo next year, and you know he, the 49ers went to Super Bowl with him, and you know maybe he's the guy they bring in. I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves. Jimmy Garoppolo has won a lot in this league, and we have to see a lot more from from Mike White. But there's no reason that Mike White can't be that type of quarterback for this team. There's no reason oh, that he can't yeah. be the, the type of QB to to play within the structure of the offense, get the ball to the right guys, and and sure. run the offense the floor wants to run. Uh, and also, if you want to, you want a good uh, Jets QB comp, that I, I think I sent it to you last night. How do you feel about Chad Pennington? Kind of feels like a, maybe, maybe like a smart cop. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there's the even Jets some
1: stat stuff. Like I was looking up some, as I do when the Jets have a great game, I'm like, all right, what are the, some of the obscure records I can come up with to post? And one of the ones I found was uh, that Mike White is the second Jets quarterback to have a completion percentage over 70% across his first four starts, and Chad Pennington is the only other Jets quarterback to do that. There so so there is that element of, you know, I think Chad Pen- Pennington is similar in that aspect where it's like, you know, the limitations doesn't have the greatest arm of all time, but uh, smart can lead the offense, just efficient and accurate. So there are a lot of traits. It's a, a similar trait there. It's a good comparison on your part.
0: I feel like, uh, and again, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but when you have the type of defense the Jets have and you pair it with a quarterback, the type of quarterback performance, I should say, because we don't fully know it's a small sample size of who Mike white is. We have to see, we have to see him over these next few weeks, but pairing an elite defense with a quarterback who operates the offense. Like we saw today, the Jets can go on a run here. I'm sorry. The Jets yeah. can go on a run here. And the other big key, they ran the football well today. Yep. And I loved bam night. I have to say, actually, quick, I, I, quickly
1: I, before we get into the run game, can I just oh, say no, no. We're,
0: we're talking, we're going to keep talking about Mike white. I just was throwing him out there in terms of, but I just yeah, had okay, a random
1: Mike white point. just want to make sure I got it out there. Cause there's a lot of Mike white points to empty out here. So oh, I just well, want to make sure more. I hit on this one quickly. Um, but yeah. his on the move throwing, how good yeah. does that look? Cause I mean, this is a guy who great, you know, wh- what do you think about him? Like he's not the greatest athlete. He, he never runs with the ball. Um, but when he's throwing on the move, he's, he's sharp. And I think it just comes down to the footwork and the fundamentals. Like we talked about, it's like, and it's a vision. <laughs> Yeah, the, the field vision well. too. That's what That's it comes down to. Thing. There's the check down he threw to, I think it was Uzama, um, where he rolled out, and it really initially wasn't there, but he keeps his eyes downfield, and that gets one defender off of him, and then he comes back down, and he makes it, and there's your four yards and first and down. And I'd be mid. curious to see the All-22 on that. I'd be really yeah. curious to
0: see the All-22 on that and see, you know, who was breaking downfield, and, and you know, was it a, a chance he could, was that a pass he could have tried? or did, You know, right. like, I'm very curious to see the All-22 on this one, but. From the broadcast film, it's pretty clear that you know he did not. He played mistake-free football.
1: Uh, yeah, I know the vision is good when he's on those outside the pocket throws, and you know even though he isn't the greatest athlete ever, it's just I think he has good mechanics in those outside the pocket throws. You yeah. know he he, he stays that- calm and poised. It's because with Zach Wilson it's like you assume he should be good at those throws because he is a good athlete and you know he's in the open field he runs well he can make guys miss his speed is pretty good and you know he makes guys miss in the backfield so he's all these athletic traits and you assume he should be a good thrower on the move but there's it's almost like there's a different you know set of mechanics that involve being able to make those throws versus in the pocket it's just a different type of throw and when Mike White's out there it's just he stays calm like he you know has good hip rotation he gets his Shoulders pointed towards the target. It's just, it just looks good and smooth and just proper form when he's throwing out there. So regardless of the fact that he's not the greatest athlete, he just has the right mechanics to throw accurately when he's on the move. And it seems like Lafleur is more confident calling those, you know, rollout plays, those bootlegs for White than he is for Wilson. You know what
0: the big difference is? And it's one of the big pluses on Zach is that he can make the off-platform throws. But the problem is, is that Zach Wilson's platform looks different on pretty much every single throw. And so it's like, okay, yeah, he, he can make a great throw when his platform looks like this and he's running to the left or, but it's different every single play. Whereas Mike White, it looks the same every place. So when he's in the pocket or he's rolling out, those mechanics look the same. And that's why I think you saw he looked better on the move and throwing in the move because it's like, okay, yeah, he might not have the same athletic profile as Zach, who I still, by the way, I don't think it's over for Zach. Um, but i i just think that uh like you said his on the move throwing and his mobility is is definitely underrated also did you know he's six five i did not realize mike white was six five somebody there's some i saw him listed at six four but the jets have him listed at six five but he's definitely taller than i thought he was i, th- I thought he was like six yeah, he's got
1: good size for sure definitely supplements some of the things that he likes to do
0: yeah. yeah you wish maybe you wish you could add on some bulk um we can take some more hits but You know, that's another thing, too. Got Didn't take any sacks,
1: really. I mean, he took the one sack, Actually, but Actually, you read my mind. I was just going to bring that up. He keeps the sacks low. Last year, he got sacked four times throughout the four games that he played, which is really low. He had the lowest sack rate of any quarterback last year, and, you know, only takes one sack in this game. And credit to the offensive line, they were good. But uh, a lot of sacks, like specifically looking at that stat, is on the quarterback because – a good percentage of them are avoidable to some extent. If you're just willing to throw the ball away, get the ball out quick, whatever. Um, And, you know, Mike White avoids sacks in a different way than Zach Wilson, because, you know, Zach is, he's the, uh, you know, physical ability to make guys miss in the backfield and get out of situations that other, a lot of other guys wouldn't be able to get out of. But the difference is Mike White doesn't get into those situations in the first place because he gets the ball out quickly and he has a good feel for when the pressure is coming down And he just makes sure that it never is a situation where he has to make a guy miss. And that's why he gets sacked so infrequently. So you look at it now, he's played five games and he's gotten sacked five times. That's a really, really low rate. So it's going to help the offensive line look better. It's going to minimize the reliance on the offensive line because, you know, this is a banged up unit and they're going to have some rough games, especially when they play really good pass rushers. And you don't want to have to rely on them too much. So to have a quarterback who could, um you know take the pressure off of them by getting the ball out quickly and just being fluid in his reads it helps a lot and it's going to keep those sacks to a low number and reduce those minimum uh, negative plays for the jets offense
0: well yeah nothing kills a drive more than a sack you know
1: right nothing's yep. worse
0: than when you're at that sec- or first and 10 and now you're at second and 18. a uh, very hard
1: thing to overcome
0: Exactly. And I think with this offense, I really trust the floor to scheme up those open plays on, on those third and eights, those third and sixes. He does a nice job in uh, in those passing situations on third down. So, yeah, like you said, Mike White can keep those drives alive, alive and I do have confidence now in the Jets to, to convert some of those third and sixes and third and sevens. And even some of the, the passes uh, that were incomplete on third down, he had two that were dropped by Corey Davis that I thought were nice passes. I think one was maybe a little bit behind him, but that hit him in the hands. Uh, and would have kept those drives moving, but you know, there's a drop and they have to punt it. So it's like, it's, I don't even think he really had a, did he have one negative play? I mean, we have to watch the the coaches film to see, okay, how did you the, was there somebody open on the sack? And then I know at the end, he had kind of that, that third down throw to Ty Johnson that looked like, okay, maybe you shouldn't try that one towards the sideline, but I don't think he had a negative play really. I mean, certainly not to the level that we've seen from Zach, obviously. No, and not, no. to, not to just have like this be a giant comparison pod, but, you know, with the context of the week, I think it's it's important to to think of some of those differences. But, yeah, my, I mean, my hope is that they keep developing Zach, um, that he keeps getting those mental reps, that he learned something from watching, and that Mike White takes the Jets to the playoffs. I mean, I think that's what you're, you're cheering for right now as a Jets fan is that Zach Wilson keeps developing on the bench. Maybe they bump him up to QB2 at some point, but uh, all aboard the Mike White train for now because that quarterback performance, yeah, I know who they played, but that's legit. I don't know if I don't think I don't think Zach Wilson would have thrown for 300 yards and three TDs against this the Chicago Bears defense. I mean, think about it like this. Say what you want, but you plug Zach Wilson into, into this game and he puts on the exact same performance as Mike White. I mean, the, the rhetoric about Zach Wilson this week would be insane.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's about about yeah.
0: like the types of plays he was making in the rain, and Jets fans would be going crazy. So as much as we want to downplay this Mike White game because of his draft pedigree, or whatever, just imagine if that was Zach Wilson. I mean, hey. Different defenses, I understand it. But Trevor Lawrence, you know, he had his his breakout game this week or his statement game beating the Ravens. And, yeah, different. Uh, beating the Ravens is definitely different than beating the Bears. But the stat line was the exact same as Mike White's. So And Zach Wilson hasn't ever thrown three touchdowns in a game. So uh, as, as much as we've defended Zach Wilson, and I still believe that he can be a good quarterback in this league, I think he, you have to be – you have to hope as a Jets fan they get the best of both worlds. Zach keeps developing and, and Mike White keeps winning football games um we were gonna There's get actually him. an
1: interesting point there you yeah, brought up ahead. I want to touch on real quick but um you know that difference between what the quarterback's pedigree does for how you think about his potential because because it's an interesting topic and um, like you said if Zach Wilson did the same thing it would be it would it's almost like it would be easier to believe in the legitimacy of it because as a number two pick he's supposed to do that versus right. Mike White it's like this isn't really supposed to happen so is this an outlier is this actually who this guy is um. So there's that feeling to it, to where, you know, the higher quarterback is drafted, the higher the expectations are. So if they do have a good game, you're like, there it is. That's the talent. This is sustainable. Whereas, you know, Mike White does it. And it's like, you know, it feels like he's it's something beyond what is what should be normal for him. So it feels like it's bound to come back down. But, you know, like we said earlier, now this is becoming a little more normal for him. You throw this performance in. He's now had two really good games. And, you know, if he's able to stack these, then eventually at some point you throw that pedigree out the window and you're like, this is what this guy can be. And then we're very early. He has to continue doing it, like we said, multiple times. But uh, but yeah, that it's always an interesting part. And the age, too, is another interesting factor because most guys who are, you know, on their fourth start are 21, 22, 23 in their first two seasons in the league. But Mike White is one of these unique quarterbacks who's, you know, he's a veteran quarterback, if you want to call him that. He's in his uh sixth season now right 18 I it was 19 fifth. 20, uh fifth uh 2018 is drafted you're right you're uh, the so fifth numbers season guy. come on i'm the numbers guy i messed that one up fifth <laughs> season and you know he's 27 years old and here he is still inexperienced in terms of his starts but he's got more professional experience under his belt than most guys who are this early in their career in terms of you know the number of starts they've had so it so it's, it's a unique perspective to where he as raw as he is in terms of that playing time, he's got a lot more. Uh, he's got more reps under his belt than most of these guys in the same position do. Yeah. So uh, so you have that blend of you know still young in terms of the upside and you know him not playing many games, but also he's more prepared for this than, you know, young rookie quarterbacks or second year quarterbacks are at that point of their career. So uh, so, yeah, there's that interesting balance there between like, all right, we know the pedigree is not high. He was a fifth round pick. They claimed him off waivers a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, he's been a career backup. So it's like, you don't want to believe in it too much until you see it's sustained. But as he stacks it up, you know, you got to start, you know, thinking that that's the norm or potentially what this guy could really be. So we'll see if he is cap- uh, capable of continuing to stack up these kinds of performances. And he, he doesn't have to have this kind of performance every single week. You know, the 300 yards, uh, three touchdowns, no picks, the near perfection does not have to do that every single game. But uh, if he can just continue being a stable leader of the offense and you know it's fun to think about what it could do for the offense
0: yeah just because i'm curious and i don't think we do this enough what would be your scout if you're let's say the head coach of uh uh of the vikings right now and you're watching you're watching mike white what's your what's your scouting report of mike white to this team to, to you know what i mean like if you're a coach and you're describing who mike white is as a player in terms of what he does well and what what might be some of his weaknesses i know it's a small sample size but
1: how do you describe mike white yeah i mean I mean, you can follow me up and tell me what you would do, but I mean, it's clear where he wants to live. It's in that short and quick game. And that's not to take away from some of the big time throws he made in this one, but you know, the main thing he wants to do is get that ball out quickly. So you got to try to find ways uh, to take away those quick reads, those short throws and make him throw the ball deep, make him throw an intermediate and try to move him off his spot a little bit because if you just let him sit in there and cook you, then he's going to cook you because he's shown that now in two out of his last, you know, three full games, and even throwing that Colts game if you want. If so you just let him sit in that pocket and you give him the quick slant, you give him the dig routes over the middle, especially the middle of the field. That's another thing because um, it definitely seems like that's his preferred spot to live. Um, I think there's more in between the numbers stuff than outside. So, you know, stuff over the middle, you want to take that away, the quick game and give him the outside, the numbers, give him the deep, make them, uh execute those throws so i don't know maybe the best way to play him is you know play more single high coverage play more man try to force him to win some of those matchups but then again there's an element of fear to that because the jets the weapons at the Jets, exactly suite, you know do you want to man up against garrett wilson when he's nope. doing what he did in this game you know getting as wide open as he did do, and elijah moore who throw the production out the window just look at him in these situations he can win and you still have Corey Davis and you, you got two tight ends who can win their matchup so uh yeah that's that's what creates an interesting thing because it's uh, that's what the weapons bring to the table uh because if you sit too hard on you know some of the things that you, know, you think is Mike White's bread and butter then now you put yourself in this disadvantageous spot against some of these good weapons so uh so I mean how would you look at Mike White and try to game plan against him? I mean, I think, yeah, I think you hit the, the nail on the head there. You want to, you want to force
0: him deep probably, but then, I mean, look, you can't read too much into, I'm not going to act like I've watched his Western Kentucky film, but I did watch his Western Kentucky highlights and he's got, he's got some deep throws in there. It's not like he's just dinking and dunking all over the field. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing with him is I think the scouting report on Zach was pretty clear of like uh, forcing to get to a second read. He doesn't respond well with pressure um, you can confuse him easily. And I don't know if Mike white is as easily confused because of all the mental reps, like you said, that he's had over the last few years, he's shown that he can throw well under pressure. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess you probably do go man coverage, but you try to take away Garrett Wilson and just, um, force him to try to fit it into a tight window to, to Corey Davis or Garrett Wilson. I will say that he does, he has shown that he, he does play fearlessly and he will fit it into tight windows. Um, so I mean, you just have to have linebackers who are willing to jump routes, and 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 safeties and stuff like that also will jump routes and and crash underneath, um, and force him to try to take some of those deep shots. But until we really see, I mean, I know the Bills game he didn't look too good, but until we really see his weaknesses fully exploited, it's kind of hard <laughs> to say what exactly yeah like, what exactly can't he do? I guess, but I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess maybe blitz him more and see his response to it but he just feels like he's a pretty quick processor that that might not be the best right. way to do it you know maybe you try to sit back and and bait him into trying a tight window i mean i guess that's probably the best way to do it maybe because he doesn't have maybe the same amount of athleticism you're you're okay with with dropping back into coverage and i i like you said i would be curious to see him uh run a little bit more i mean not that he has to but just to see it i'm curious to see like he he shows that it kind of feels like he could scramble for some first downs if he needed to, especially on those bootleg plays. I'm not I'm not advocating for the Mike White read option offense. I'm just saying, um, you know, when those opportunities present themselves, because they absolutely will, because nobody's QB spying Mike White. Uh I would like to see him take some of those scramble opportunities because then at that point I think you'll have a better idea of his athletic profile. But yeah, I mean super encouraging game. You have to feel great about the the way that he looked. We have to see it against a legit defense. The Jets will get a chance next week against the Vikings, who not like they have the best defense in the world or anything, but they are a great football team. They're going to score a lot of points on offense. Hopefully not with the Jets defense, but they have been scoring a lot of points on offense and they do make plays on defense and there's certainly a step up in competition um, from the Chicago Bears. So if he goes out against uh, against the Vikings uh, and performs similarly, which given some of the, the starts that we've seen him have, there's no reason to think that he can't. Um, then I think you're talking about a quarterback that you're really excited about and somebody that you think can make a, make a playoff run. That doesn't mean that he's Patrick Mahomes, but look, the Jets don't need Patrick Mahomes with this defense and with this running game, which I wanted to get to because another guy we talked about in this podcast, I think we even, we talked about it last week too. It's not of a night. Uh, this off, this running game, since Brees Hall has left, I mean, I know they had that that awesome drive against the Bills uh, a few weeks ago, but it's been missing that big play home run threat. It does seem like Michael Carter and, and James Robinson haven't been breaking as many tackles as maybe you would hope um, and maybe don't get up uh, upfield as, as quickly as you would hope. And that's certainly different with a Knight. Man, that guy runs hard. I mean, his legs are always moving. He was fighting through contact. He looks like just like a tough physical runner. And yeah, he brings you that home run playmaking ability and every year we watch the 49ers again i was watching this game and i was like who are these running backs that they have and doesn't matter kyle shannon just plugs great athletes they know what to look for when they're drafting or signing running backs in this outside zone system and they can just plug a bunch of no names in and they'll go for 100 yards and we got a little bit of that last year with when ty johnson and michael carter had their little stretch i I mean i guess honestly in the the Bengals game (laughs) um and then again this year or in this game, it's like Zion of a night, Ty Johnson going off. And they look, this looked like the Kyle Shanahan 49ers offense, which we haven't necessarily seen all the time. Um, how impressed were you with, with the way the Jets were able to run the football uh, in this one? Because the run blocking
1: at the start of the game was a little concerning. I mean, the running game was, it turned out to be really good because, like you said, um, the run blocking at the start was shaky to say the least, um, but they settled in and they really found a way to. Run the ball effectively. And Zonvin Knight was really impressive because Michael Carter in this game, I was a little unimpressed with him because to be honest, I think there were some plays where, you know, you look at the play, you know, you see the ball get snapped, you see the box develop, and you're like, okay, there's a big hole. This could be something. And then he only gets two or three yards. I mean, I feel like there's maybe a little bit too much of lateral running from him instead of getting downhill. And it felt like every time he got contacted, there wasn't a lot of, you know, yardage after the contact. And you know, usually you want to get hit, dive forward for a couple extra yards, but it felt like he's getting tackled laterally a lot. And there were a couple of short yardage or, or runs near the first down marker that he missed that he missed. So um, beginning of the game with Carter wasn't looking great, but then Zonovan Knight gets more touches as the game goes on. And he looked really good. I mean, his cuts are explosive at the contact point. He's really violent. He's putting his head down, getting some extra yards. And you could see the home run potential with him. Um. You know, just with the way he makes his cuts and the way that he's tough to bring down, so I could, I could see him definitely having a role in this offense going forward. Um, we'll see what Carter's injury status is, but I, I do wonder if Carter misses a game, or any games going forward, is Donovan Knight your top running back now? Because like, what a start! I mean, 103 scrimmage yards in your NFL debut, which is the most ever for a player in Jets franchise history in their first career game. I mean that's impressive and kind of came out of nowhere because you didn't really think he was going to get that opportunity. You know, we brought him up as a a potential way to improve the offense, but they sit James Robinson, who has no, I think disappointed in his first three games, wasn't getting those yards after contact that you trade for him to get. Um, Because that's, that's the thing with Robinson, you know, you're not going to get big time home run hitting with him or long speed. So he's supposed to be a guy who could, get you yards in that four to 10 range, get you yards after contact, keep you ahead of the sticks. And uh, yeah, he wasn't doing a ton of that. He had the f- lowest yards after contact average uh, of any running back in the league since he came to the jets. So Jesus. <laughs> he, he wasn't, he wasn't really doing what you trade for him to do. So if you're not getting the home run hitting, you're not getting the grinding yards, uh you know, in that, medium range to say head the chains it's like what is he bringing you so uh so they make the move tonight and one game in it's looking looking like a good move we'll see if he can maintain it but i really liked how he looked and obviously credit to Ty Johnson as well who is much maligned on this podcast and among many jets fans but credit to him for that tremendous touchdown run and a few other successful runs in addition to that so um i i have to say though you know Ty Johnson is you know he has holes in his game, and I'm still not sure why he plays third down so much. But he definitely brings a little bit more home run speed than I think Carter does. And between Knight yeah. and Johnson, you know that's that's a much more explosive duo than Carter and Robinson. You decline in other areas, you know, pass game, um, elusiveness, you know, blocking. some of the rely blocking, uh, some of these other things. Uh, and we'll see how Knight does in those areas as he plays more. But um, in terms of home run hitting speed, which you know was a big part of this offense early on in the season when you had Brees Hall, uh, you're definitely getting more of that with Knight and Johnson, I think. So it'll be interesting to see how they mix these guys in as the season goes forward. Yeah, it was great to see Max Mitchell back in there. I know he
0: didn't start the game, yep. but he came in and that's really when the run game started to get going. Seeing him next to Nate Herbig. Um, yeah, I mean, I know the offensive line has bad, a lot of injuries and they have their holes or whatnot, but they really started to get after it in the second half. I mean, you could just see that they just broke the bears will um, there. And like you said, yeah, Ty Johnson had a great game and maybe he just only plays well with Mike white under center. Um, You could certainly say the same for receiver named Elijah Moore, who had, I think, what is he had like two catches in his last four games or something like that. Pretty much just been no, I mean, he's just disappeared the entire season. And then lo and behold, Mike white comes back and I know Elijah Moore had some success uh, with Mike white at quarterback. I mean, Again, small sample size, but last year he had some of his he had his one of his best games against the Bengals. And then he had some other good uh, moments uh, against the Colts and, and and Patriots with Mike White at quarterback. And then, lo and behold, Mike White starts this game, and then the Elijah Moore breakout comes. And we did do we didn't do the random predictions in the podcast, um, but I did put the tweet out and I did call the Elijah Moore touchdown. What did you think of Elijah Moore's? I, this is just my, I just needed to I, I know I've been eating a lot of crow and the Zach Wilson stuff, so I just need to keep pumping my ego back up was saying see i go. told you so because i also called a 31 to 10 i mean it was it was via text to a buddy of mine but i put it on i put it on twitter so it counts there you go
1: you had some good um, things i yeah. didn't hit on too much going to this i said Quan interception i said white was gonna have i think 215 yards two touchdowns one interception so i drastically undersold him Uh so i didn't hit on too many of my predictions i think i my score prediction was 34 to six. That's what I a lot. So I was right about a blowout, but I had it a little more extreme. I placed two $5 parlays, uh, one, one hit,
0: but it was like a, just a very low. Uh, it was basically, it was bears under 10 and a half points jets to be up at half and win the game. And then I think it was uh jets first one to 20 points or something like that. And it was five bucks to win 20. So I hit that. And then I put five bucks and it was uh Elijah Moore touchdown, which hit, But then Michael Carter touchdown and Zonovan Knight touchdown, which didn't hit Quinn and William sack, which didn't hit. And then it was like Mike white over 195 passing yards, which hit and jets with the spread. And that would have been five bucks to win like $2,500 or something. So I like, I like the little $5, like no chance, super high odd parlay, but everyone, like if you hit one, yeah. like, if you burn five bucks, it's yeah. It's like, it's like buying a cup of coffee, but if you hit one of them, it just covers all of it. But we've, we've we've I've yet to hit one of those those big parlays yet. We'll see. I stick to my five dollar bets though.
1: Um, Elijah Moore, right? That's what you were discussing. <laughs> yeah,
0: I guess so. Somehow I got yeah. onto the the betting. But yeah, Elijah Moore, <laughs> what'd you think
1: of uh, of his performance? No, I mean, it's the opportunities for him to make plays like this have been there, and we just haven't really seen them. Even the past few games where you know he got back in the lineup, was playing in the slot. It was, it was. I, I do feel bad for him with how unlucky. He's been because there are just so many plays on the previous Patriots game where he really should have gotten the ball. You know, there's that drag route on the third down at the end of the game. that should have been a huge conversion. There's a comeback that Zach missed to him. Um, and there were a few other plays in addition to that. Those are just two right off the top of my head. Um, but he's those opportunities have been there. He's just not been getting the ball when he's been open. But uh, now in this game. You see what happens when he can get in the ball. I mean, he had that huge catch and run to set up the field goal attempt, uh, which obviously was botched, but that was a big shot in the arm at the time. Uh, And then the touchdown later. So it's he's capable of making plays like this. When you have a lineup of Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore and Corey Davis, that is that should be a trio you feel really good about. Uh, Recently, you haven't felt as confident about that because how quiet Moore has been. But like we can't forget what he did over those final six games of his rookie season how dominant he looked throughout that stretch when he was one of the top five receivers in the league over those six games to close his rookie season and I don't think a ton has changed really since then in terms of what he's doing individually obviously there were some usage questions earlier in the season I don't think he was used in the most ideal way and he definitely in that role at the beginning of the season when he's getting a lot of vertical balls and stuff like that didn't do a great job with those but Um, when it comes to just doing what he's supposed to do best, which is making plays with the ball in his hands, uh, and then winning short to intermediate, I feel like not a ton has changed in terms of how much he's been winning. It just has been capitalized on that much. But um Mike White unlocked him in this game. And it was last year when Mike White unlocked him too. I mean, it was the Bengals game where Moore had I think it was uh six catches, sixty-three yards, something like that. Um
0: and the Colts prior to that.
1: He had, you know, prior to that game, he had absolutely no production. You know, we were like, what's wrong with more? He's averaging like 10 yards a game or whatever it was. But that was the first game he broke out. And then the Colts game, Mike White gets him off to a great start in that one. He has the, I think it was a dig. He had a big dig catch for like 20 yards or so. And then the touchdown after that. So he had a good connection going with Mike White last year. And then that picked up in this game. So uh, so uh, I really liked it. And obviously, only two targets in this one so it's not like he was super involved but the big play making is something he should be capable of doing so even if he if this if this is the type of impact he makes in this offense considering how many weapons they have and how the ball is going to be spread uh, spread around if he's that type of big play threat where it's like you know doesn't get a ton of targets but when he does he makes these type of big plays I think that's something that could be very beneficial for the offense.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, it's the same thing I noticed when I was watching the 49ers uh, today. It's just they spread the ball around like crazy. And I think right. I, I could be wrong, but it was was it 10 different receivers that Mike White found today?
1: Yeah, I, I actually I, got pulled up right here. We got yep, 10, 10 different, yeah, receivers. 10 different receivers and when like, when 28 talking... passes too. So it's not like he threw a ton of passes. That's 28 exactly. passes, 10 different guys catching the ball. I think today was really the day you got to see the depth, the amount of depth that
0: the jets have in terms of their playmakers, because you saw a ton of different personnel packages out there. And we talked about Elijah Moore's breakout, but it's like, I don't even think I saw him until like the first third down of the game. So they weren't even really using him as much um, because Braxton Berrios still gets his slot looks and, you know, they like their two tight ends. So they get to, they you know, they go to that 12 personal offense. And again, Conklin and Uzama having uh, some nice games. I love how how has come on um, this last month. Uh, but yeah, you really just got to see, it was like, yeah, Denzel Mims had a catch. You're giving end rounds to Braxton Berrios You're throwing big pl- explosives to Elijah Moore, a bunch of touchdowns to Garrett Wilson, clutch their downs to Corey Davis. And then you got the tight ends on running backs as the safety valves. And uh, it was a winning formula for the Jets. I th- I, that was really encouraging. And I can't really remember the last time uh, I watched a Jets game where it just felt like they had so that many weapons. It just, that was really, this is the first game all season where you really just got to see the full breadth of, uh, of weapons that they have, because it's like, they've had big offensive games this season, but it's either been like, okay, this is the Garrett Wilson game, or this is the Brees hall game. And this was the game where it really just felt like, Oh, he's making a, play. Corey Davis is making a play. now Elijah Moore's making a play. And here is Garrett Wilson making a play. And it was, it's, uh, it's certainly a far cry from the Deontay Burnett, Jermaine curse, Terrell prior days, um, that we've been subjected to, uh, here in Florham park. So Really excited uh, with with Elijah Moore's game. I guess we got to talk about Garrett Wilson too, because man, what a stud he is! And we've already known that. We, I mean, we knew that from like week two, and then it's just been the quarterback plays kind of let him down. But you
1: go back, we knew and watch that the moment he made that catch on that dump off against the Ravens. Yeah, that's that was, true. And he made that right juke. from there. I was like, yeah, this is the guy.
0: Yeah. Well, but honestly, since that moment, it was like, we got to give Garrett Wilson more touches. And then he has that week two game. He goes off, scores the game winning touchdown wins rookie of the week. And then uh, again, in that Bengals game, he's making plays, but they don't really lose. Then he has, you know, a big play against the the Steelers. Then he kind of disappears for a little bit, um, but they've got him back in the offense and man, he's so good. He's just so, so, so good. And it's, it's exciting to see the jets have a, a real wide receiver. Number one, what'd you think
1: of Garrett Wilson today? I mean, the complete package. and Like you said, I think he is a real wide receiver number one because I think what you want in a wide receiver number one is to have, he needs to have traits that stand out. They're special. Like, we can rely on these aspects of his game to be dominant individually against defenders on the other team. Like, you don't have to scheme things up for him necessarily. Like, he just wins with his raw talent. And he has multiple of those skills that are just... Top level. I mean, the separation is elite. We've seen it all season, and there are various metrics that back that up too, that put him up there in that top five to 10 range. Uh, just his ability to win on so many different routes and get himself open and create opportunities. And then, you know, at the catch point, his ability to, you know, make those difficult catches, which in this game, he did have some tough catches. You know, there's, you know, some contested catches he had to make and he was able to make them. And then after the catch you know what he's able to do with the ball in his hands that juke he threw on the touchdown and like we said earlier you know should it have been a touchdown if eddie jackson didn't get hurt maybe not but regardless the juke before that was out of this world and that's the reason it was a touchdown anyway so um really at all three phases of the receiver position i think he's top of the line and it there's three elements of receiver to me there's Pre-throw, you know, separation, route running, getting open. There's the catch point. You know, how well can you make difficult catches, avoid drops, uh, just being able to make plays on the ball. And then there's what you do after the catch. So those are the three levels of the receiver position. And I think you look at all three of them, and Garrett Wilson has elite skills and traits to where just one-on-one against uh, defensive backs. He's going to win those matchups, and that's what makes you a receiver number one, is having those elite traits to where it's like we need to play we can rely on this guy to make that play based on his ability to just be more talented and come through in one-on-one situations than the defender who's across from him what do you think about uh about the tight ends i know we we touched
0: on a little bit but how big are they for this offense because when you talk about that bills game in terms of you know mike white didn't have a a, a bills game last year mike white didn't have his, his best performance uh, they certainly have the weapons now, uh, they've upgraded at all the, you know, everything around Mike white, that if a defense is trying to take away a guy like Garrett Wilson, Mike white has those tight ends to go to, which we didn't see last year when he was trying to throw dump offs to or tight end routes. to like what Ryan Griffin and Trayvon Wesco at times, Dan Brown, uh, how big are those tight ends for this offense? Not just in the the passing game, but the run game as well.
1: I mean, speaking of Wesco quickly, he almost got us for a touchdown. Oh, this God. One, so <laughs> thank God Joyner made that tackle. That would have been embarrassing. But um, the trade, you know, well, he was with he was with the team this
0: offseason, right? I'm not. He was one of the guys that got claimed. So. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Uh, so,
1: I mean. You know, it, it, wouldn't, it I, wouldn't. I have like, been a I like that. He did like real. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's not like it's not necessarily a whole revenge game. It was just a numbers game for for Wesco. I think he's all right. He's a good he's he's a good blocker. I don't have any hate towards Trayvon Wesco. But yeah, the the revenge touchdown would have been
1: maybe a little brutal. But yeah, I mean, to have the we've seen these past few weeks, I think, what the Jets were envisioning with having two of these guys. The Bills game is a great example. And then there was that one play in this in this game. I think it was a screen to Garrett Wilson where, you know, he just catches the ball and you're like, there's a huge lane in front of them. Then you look towards the sidelines, like there's 85 and 87 pinning their guy on the sideline. You're like, yes, that's what we paid for right 80, 85,
0: 85. there. 85,
1: 85, 85, 83, 83. I had Wesco. Oh West Wesley Walker's out there. I had Wesco on my mind. Yeah. 83 <laughs> and 87 Conklin and Yuzama. My bad. I apologize for messing I think, up do you the think we tight get end a, numbers. <laughs>
0: I think we get a Jeremy Ruckert rookie of the week at some point down the stretch. It's going to no. take a tight end injury. <laughs> I don't. Uh, if he if if he plays and gets one catch, I think Jets fans can get him in. He just need he just needs one, one goal touchdown. touchdown. Well,
1: if he gets two yeah. touchdowns, like the Cowboys on Thanksgiving had those random tight ends getting touchdowns, that's what we need. A couple yeah. of goal line flip play touchdowns for him, and he'll get it.
0: Yeah, and then we just need to maybe throw a tackle eligible touchdown to Garrett Max Wilson's going to get it this week.
1: That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, he was getting it as soon as he scored
0: that first touchdown. I was like, all right, yeah. well, there's the rookie of
1: the week to Garrett Wilson. Uh, but yeah, on the tight ends, I mean, just the ability to make those easy catches in the flat because it's such an important skill for tight ends. You need to be a reliable safety valve. And these guys have been that. I mean, Conklin first couple of games, you know, dropped a pass, had a fumble, whatever. But we knew that was going to be an outlier and that's not who he was. And since then, he's been very reliable with his hands. I mean, that, that one catch he made, um, I forget what the route was, but he's breaking towards the sideline. And it was a good throw by White, but it was definitely... With the rain in his face he had to extend it was out in front of him right. and great hands catch there by Conklin. and then uzama I just like what I like about him is when he catches the ball in the flat in the underneath range uh he just puts his head down he turns up the field there's no wasted yes. motion oh very God, good yes. with the yak just getting those yards the, um, there was
0: there was one play. I think it's probably the one we're thinking of. It was a third down, but way too many times I've seen that where it's like a third and five, and they'll uh, running back or a tight end will catch it in the flat. And then he's like, he stops like he's going to try to make a, a bunch of guys miss right. and maybe score a touchdown. It's like, just get the five yards, just get the touchdown or the first down, I mean. And Uzama, as soon as he gets to that pass, he's just full steam ahead forward, yep. doesn't care about trying to get the best possible. And yeah, Conklin does to
1: that too. Touchdown. I think they both yes. have that. Either good, good game. awareness of the sticks. Yeah, great awareness of the sticks. So it, it's just this simple stuff that these tight ends are are good at. They don't drop a lot of passes. They know where the first down marker is. They get the yak that's available. They don't mess around trying to dance. And you know, Uzama's a big guy. He's got good speed. He, he's a good yak player um when he needs to be. Like if you get him in space, he's. In terms of, you know, getting huge chunks of Yak, like if he gets the ball in space on screen or something, he is pretty fast for his size yeah, and for being big. a tight yeah, exactly. but, end. Um, but a lot of times you just want to catch the ball. If you're near the first down marker. Put your head down and go get that thing. You don't need to mess around and make guys miss every single time. Sometimes you just want to take what's available. And I liked Uzama did that in this game. And both he and Conklin have showed that pretty consistently this year. So uh, I like what they bring to the table. And then just having two guys. Who are reliable brings an element of unpredictability, and you could just switch things up, uh, throw a lot of different packages and looks out there, uh, and it it helps you know just create some unpredictability for the offense to have you know two guys who are kind of on the same level in terms of their usage and their snaps. So um, we're really seeing that two tight end vision kind of come together recently. All right, this has been an offensive
0: only pod so far, which maybe is is deserved. Oh, defense playing this game. Yeah, exactly <laughs> let's talk some defense here Michael it wasn't a great start for the unit um they give up a touchdown on the first, was it was a field goal or a touchdown on the first drive field goal no touchdown a field, right goal, field goal on the first drive and then a touchdown that honestly should have been picked by DJ Reed on the second drive and then you're like okay come on defense the offense is getting it together and and now the defense is falling apart against Trevor Simeon but then they get that that fourth down stopper. was it fourth down or third down look at my memory just failing me off the bat on the third, third drive, down, right? Was that a, was that sneak. It was a third down, yeah. Yeah, they didn't down. get one downs, yeah. They get that third down stop, and that was it. <laughs> Once the yep. Jets did that, the defense woke up and, and they played like we, we knew they've uh, or that they've played all season. Um, just tough, physical, all gas, no break style defense, winning with four, um, and just great coverage uh, by the back end. Uh, I think at the start of the game, you saw some missed tackles, which you definitely saw a little bit of last week. So I'll kind of blame that. On coming off the bye, you know, sometimes you you, you have those types of games and definitely as, as the season goes on, he says that tackling generally goes down a little bit um, for whatever reason, but uh, they got that together. Uh, there was a little bit at the start of the game where I was like, oh, maybe I'm glad Fields isn't playing in this one with the rain. It looked like they're having trouble changing direction and it's like. You know, could this been a, a big game for Fields? But the way that the defense played after the first two drives, I'm still pretty confident the Jets would have won this game. Uh, I don't know where to start with them. I have a few notes here on the defense, but overall, what do you think of the defense's performance?
1: Well, I was getting pretty nervous early. I know we were texting early on. I was like, I feel like they're still going to win, but it's kind of disappointing so far. Um, but it did feel like you know the defense was going to get it together at some point because it didn't really feel like they were getting out schemed or. Just dominated or anything it was just a few big plays on missed tackles and then obviously on the touchdown drive you had a big play on sauce which is you know he's human he's going to get beat sometimes but after that he didn't really give up anything the rest you think, of the
0: game you think clay pulled him down there sauce was trying to say i did think so kidding.
1: i did think so when i saw but sauce so, gets
0: grabby too so it's like you know win some you lose balances
1: out yeah you get something the first actually on the field goal drive the reason they didn't give up touchdown is because he had a good uh, stand on the fade there against Claypool, which, you know, there's some contact again, but I think he's good at getting his head turned around to, um, to get the officials on his side in those situations because they're looking for that head, you know, is it turning around? If it's not, it's probably a guaranteed flag. So I think sauce eliminates Not really that.
0: face guarding. Okay. That's a common misconception though, Michael, I know what you mean in terms of the perception for right. the refs, but face guarding is not a penalty in the NFL. Just, just to get that out of the, it is in college. You'll get flagged for that if you don't get around. But right. in the NFL, because you saw it on the uh, on the the fourth down uh, pass breakup he had on, on Gabe Davis against the Bills, yeah. and Bills fans were like, "He didn't get his head around." It's like he doesn't have to. It's, that's not a penalty. But I know what you mean in terms of if you're not getting your head around the refs, and there's some contact, the refs are maybe more apt to throw that flag. Right. But-
1: I, I just think it helps that he consistently does that. I think it's a reason why he gets away with it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he'd saved that on the first drive. But then you know, Claypool gets him for that penalty slash catch on the second drive. Um, but, yeah, I, I it didn't really feel like it was something that was sustainable. It was definitely frustrating, and you want to see it get cleaned up as quickly as possible. But, you know, it was some missed tackles in the flat. It was that one big play on um, the sauce, you know, Claypool play. And then the touchdown was, you know, very nearly an interception. That was just an amazing catch kind of. Just a fluky moment there. So so it seemed like they were gonna get it figured out. But at the same time, you want to see that as quickly as possible. And that a uh, goal line stand, or not goal line, but you know, quarterback sneak stand uh on the third drive was from there is when they really got going. You know, that is a 3 and out then they 3 and out after that. Looking um, look at the drives here, starting with that third one, they got three consecutive three and outs, and then the next two drives were four plays. So only two first downs given up the next five drives starting with that third one. So they really settled in after the tough start. Um, I think maybe there's an element of, you know, you're preparing for fields or the possibility of him throughout the week. Then you don't get them and two very different quarterbacks. So maybe it was a little bit different than what they were possibly preparing for, but they settled in quickly. And it was it was ultimately what you wanted to see against this team with, you know, its backup quarterback is just a dominant performance um because going forward, you're playing a lot of tougher teams, especially in the offensive side of the ball, and to you know be lit up by the Bears with Simeon would not be encouraging, but when it's all said and done, you give up to 10 points yet again, just one touchdown um you made big plays when you need to and just another shutdown game from the defense. It's just becoming pretty routine at this point.
0: you know who stood out to me like underrated, completely underrated and definitely. Maybe not the first defender I should mention by name, but Tanzel smart man. His yeah. snap time—I know we were tweeting yeah. back and forth about this—but his get off and his ability to time the snap is insane. Because there was one
1: play where I was like, yeah, oh, that was a, "I know, I saw, I noticed that, and I saw you tweet it immediately." I was like, "Man, he got off quick there." it was a little, either a, maybe a little too early, but yeah. So he's either
0: offsides or he timed that insanely well. But we've we saw in the preseason as well, yeah. It's cool to see
1: because, like, you know, last two preseasons we've been like, wow, this guy uh, times the snaps really well, that'd be perfect for this defense. So now to actually see it on the field in a real game is cool,
0: yeah. So he's he looked great. Uh, the other guy who really jumped out to me and Connor Hughes tweeted, I know I don't, you know, I'm not trying to give Connor Hughes any shout outs on this podcast, but. Connie, who's talked about the toe injury that John Franklin Myers had uh, and how it was affecting him earlier in the season. But now that he's healthy, he's really getting going. And I think you've seen that. There was a little bit, I won't lie, where I was a little worried about, like, God oh, damn, they give JFM that huge – and I love JFM, front of the pod. Gave him that big extension in the beginning of the season. The the impact wasn't maybe there as much as you would like. And you're like, oh damn. You know, did they give him that extension too early? But he really turned it on uh, the last few weeks, and especially again today. Um, he's just exactly what they need in that uh, – for uh that left defensive end they just need a, a a big body in the run game uh and you know he's winning his pass rushing reps he had the sack um he looks great jfm looks awesome and that's huge for this defense uh to help out carl and to help out quinn and uh and the other guy bryce huff man <laughs> is, he, is he damn good i mean that that snap that get off that he had on that one sack was insane it just feels like you know they don't have to play Bryce up that often, but they just bring him in on third downs, and he's pretty much guaranteed to get you know at least one sack if he plays a few of them. Um, so yeah, I was really impressed with some of the uh Jets unheralded, maybe not unheralded, but um, pass rushers beyond Quinn and, and Carl.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were like there were some snaps where they were or stretches of snaps where they were relying on some of the reserve defensive linemen. I'm curious to see how the snaps, snap counts, um, ultimately played out because. Like I know, I think it was the first drive of the second half where they just came out with the, yeah, it was the first drive of the second half. They came out with the backup unit, Uh, Clemens, Shepard, might've been Shepard, but Clemens, Thomas, I think Johnson was out there. So they're playing those guys a lot and Clemens had some really good plays in this game. That's for sure. He was standing out to me. So it was a nice team effort in this one. A lot of guys stood out, but I think, I think this one was the coverage. Yet again, I think that's been the most consistent aspect of the defense this year, and the pass rush has been amazing. But you know, there are definitely some plays in this game where you know the pass rush wasn't you know creating a ton of pressure. But it feels like even when the pressure isn't there, the ball is not really coming out that quickly because the coverage is always so good, and there's just not that many options. And that's what you want to see when you're playing this kind of offense. You know, probably the worst wide receiver group in the league, so you would like to. See these corners be dominant against them, and they absolutely were. I mean, outside of the one play to, to, on the second drive and the touchdown after that, pretty much nothing the entire game. And it's it's not just the plays on the ball, but it's what's happening outside of the the view of the broadcast. I think um, we'll see it on the film, but everything was just getting locked down in that secondary. There wasn't much for the quarterback to do. So um, the coverage and the pass rush continues to work hand in hand really effectively um but there definitely are some things to improve defensively off this game there were a lot of missed tackles even at the end of the game it felt like they were still missing quite a few um you know the game was over at that point but early on it was any all the offensive bears were getting the, on those first two drives was mainly missed tackles um and you know it's the linebackers mostly a couple early um Joyner had a really bad one uh, which you made up for with Wesco that tackle but uh but yeah tackling the last couple of games can has been suspect at the linebacker and safety positions
0: yeah it did seem like the linebacker coverage early in the game wasn't maybe
1: where you'd yeah, like it to be too. it seemed like
0: a lot of that production was coming over the middle on some of those intermediate routes but they did get it together Mosley had that sick interception at the end of the game yeah uh and how big has Quan been for this team as well I know he's uh, he had that forced fumble, and again, for the love of God, can the Jets please fall on a fumble? Then you have a, you uh, you tweeted something about it. Where what is their yeah. uh, what are the numbers on on not falling on fumbles? Because it has to be insane. I feel like I've seen them force more fumbles and not be able to capitalize on them than any other team I've ever
1: watched. Oh, that was so frustrating. I was like, yes, we got it. Wait, there's no way they didn't get that one, and then they didn't. We have the replay, <laughs> and you're like, Ser- seriously, guys, come on. Like we're figuring out so much right now. We got It was a raining, great defense. but you <laughs> got a great quarterback. Now let's get the fumbles going. We get that going. No one's going to stop you, but I mean, yeah. What, the what were the out. numbers though? Yeah. yeah there so is. coming into this game, they had recovered 37 and a half percent of all active fumbles uh, or all available fumbles, regardless of which side of the ball it was. That was 28th in the league. Um, oh, and not geez. by a lot. Last place was 33%. I think so. This one's going to push them down a few points. I don't know the exact number because I don't know exactly how many they've had, but uh, it's going to go down a few points. It might be worse in the in the league after this week, but uh, but yeah, they've not been coming up with as many fumbles uh, as you know you would expect to bounce out eventually. Uh And a lot of that is luck, but at the same time, there have been quite a few plays this season where you're like, "Come on, guys, you, you should have had that one." And then this this is probably chief among all of them, but uh, but yeah, may, maybe they need to spend a. 10 minutes at the end of each practice, just uh throw the ball on the ground, just practice chasing after it and picking it up. I don't know what the go-to fumble drill is. I guess I, I guess there they be some they've focus reco- on it. I don't know.
0: They've recovered a few on offense. So maybe that makes up for it. Maybe that's why, because they had the one against Buffalo where Garrett Wilson almost tried to replicate the holy roller and then yeah. he fell on it. And then they had the one that was the throwback to Zach. Uh, against Pittsburgh and he's defensively dropped it. more, I think. Yeah, exactly. It, that number's
1: probably a lot lower on defense. And then does
0: does the onside kick recovery in Cleveland count as kind of a fumble recovery? In a way. It's
1: kinda of, it kind like even even that one, they kind of they, missed they almost opportunities opportunities too. Yeah. before they eventually got it. They're just lucky the Browns were did such a bad job on that. But um I love I love how that game uh, I love how that are, game uh, kick the started
0: the whole, I love how that game kick started the whole season.
1: It's, it's crazy we've won games comeback. with three different quarterbacks now.
0: Yeah. do you, <laughs> you think me the Jets you,
1: would have three quarterbacks starting by week 11, I would not think they are seven and four.
0: Should I put in my bet for Robert Solick, coach of the year? I mean, probably too late now, but it seems like he should be in contention. I mean, who are some of the other contenders? He's Obviously, be up there. I mean,
1: Sirianni will be up there. Yeah, um, Ron Rivera's starting to make a case. That's true. Um, but three wins, three different quarterbacks. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Th- winning with three different quarterbacks, seven and four after you were predicted to be five. And what was the, the Vegas on five and a half? Yeah. Um, Turning around this defense from worst to top 10, top five, Um, uh, you know, and even give him credit for how he handled the whole Zach Wilson situation too. too. I think he deserves a, a lot He's of credit. The running. I think handling.
1: they can get, I, I, I'm trying to find a magic number to where, because at the end of the day, they kind of just go to the best team. You know, don't, don't it usually goes to the best team for the most part, right? I'm sorry,
0: yeah. Well, kind of but saying I'm that's sorry. Correct, but I just that's think kind of what they New did. York, New York market, they haven't been to the playoffs since twenty ten. It's no no shoe in. They really gotta win down the stretch here. But if they go to the playoffs, man,
1: I, I mean so they have a chance the, to double their projected win total. And, and like city- we've already said, win with three quarterbacks and you know, all the stuff you're talking about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't I care about coach of the year if, if Mike White brings us a Lombardi. So I guess that's goal number one right now. That was kind of a joke, but also, you know, they could go on a playoff run if he keeps playing like this. But we have to see it next week. I'm, Next week is such a big game. I know it's an NFC opponent, and again, they bought themselves some breathing room, so they could lose that and still keep fighting and plugging around, uh, chugging along. But um, great team in the Vikings who's also won a lot of games. Uh, the, uh, You know, the Jets, not to get to the preview pod, because that'll come out on Friday, but, you know, they kind of do seem offensively like the type of team the Jets defense should have some success against because where does a lot of their production come from? The receiving room, and that seems to line up really well with what the Jets like to do, considering the corners that they have. So we'll get that Sauce Gardner-Justin Jefferson matchup, DJ Reed on Adam Thielen matchup. I mean, that's going to be great. Um, But, yeah, if Mike White can put together another performance like we saw today even if it's not the same level statistically, just another calming quarterback performance where they're just getting touchdown drives and the defense is able to shut down Jefferson and Thielen. I don't know. Playoff run gets a little bit more likely, Michael. So uh, is there anything else we want to touch on? Let me check my notes here real quick. Anything else that, that comes to mind though? Um, I mean, I guess we should talk,
1: touch on the special teams a little bit. Okay. Um, I was, I was, up, I was afraid you
0: were going to bring it. I was afraid you're going to bring up
1: the uniforms. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, which I love. Just as to always on the docket. Um, but Brady Man's having this interesting season because, for the most part, his punting production has been pretty good. Obviously, he had a you know, huge blunder last week, but for the most part, I mean, he's been near the top of the league in terms of net punting, his punting average, all that stuff. For most of the season, he had that huge game against the Browns in Week Two, where he did a bunch of great stuff. He had the pass completion, the onside kick. Had a good punt in that one, um, but he's also had this knack for having a lot of really bad plays this season. He had the botched kickoff against the Bills. He had he's had some shanks this year, and now you throw in and give. It was raining, so we'll excuse him. But and he did last, have a botch hole and last week game.
0: not and last week not punting it out of bounds. And, and Last week not playing it out of
1: bounds. So it's like there's been a lot of these negative moments, but he's also for the most part punted it pretty decently. And the Browns game was good. So it's so like he's been a roller coaster ride this season. But um Greg the leg, I mean, 57 yarder in the rain. He has been money this season. Jets finally have a plus of the kicker position. Well, he did miss two field
0: goals, but yes, the the one that he hit before half. just was... the one in this
1: game. He just missed the one field goal in this one.
0: Oh, sorry. I guess sorry, I was counting the, the botched uh snap as well. You're right. So he right. missed the one yeah. and then they bought the so they could have had two extra did make all players.
1: the extra points though.
0: Did make the extra points and then he did hit the tough one uh right before half. So yeah, yeah I think uh Zerline has definitely brought a steadying we want to talk about Mike White bringing a steadying presence to the offense but Zerline is giving the Jets a steadying presence at that kicker spot because man that has been a revolving door for too long since Jason Myers. So I'm glad that we have somebody that we're actually somewhat confident in.
1: Well, what did um, you think of that decision to pick that field goal yeah i liked it <laughs> what what, Cause I, what? i no i mean i was a little skeptical because i mean it was fourth and two i think there was um 16 seconds left or something low well they
0: played for that yeah they they could have they could have i mean they had all three timeouts at, after the two-minute warning so they could have been calling the timeouts and really tried to play for a touchdown but they did they were letting the clock run down they didn't want to let the bears get a chance before half because they were getting the, the ball at the start of the half so they were Playing a little bit more conservatively with the clock and letting it run down, so they were playing for that field goal. I think they hit Mims for like a, a, an eleven-yard catch or something. And I like it. You know, it's like I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean think to I be honest,
1: it. I I going to that play. I thought they should have gone for it just because you know there's so little time left. I didn't think the Bears were gonna do anything uh, with it anyway. And then if you miss the field goal, they're you're putting them putting them in that spot anyway. And you know, in the rain, it was really deep field goal. I wasn't totally confident. You would make it, but I guess when you have a weapon like Greg the Leg, you can go ahead and, and take your points yeah, there. But his, going into his it, nickname I is did kind of want to go for it. I'll be honest.
0: His nickname is is Greg the Leg. I think you could maybe argue the way they manage the clock, and maybe they should have tried to to push forward for uh to score. But uh in terms of the actual decision of kicking on fourth and two, I'm not going to question it. I have to say the Jets' clock management has been very good this year. Yeah, um, I've been I've been very excited or very pleased with with just the way that they've handle those situations Very you can maybe argue it clock but... management good time yeah. out, let's go
1: <laughs> so, sometimes i'll celebrate things like that do, do you have
0: any uh good reactions to this pod that that will want to i do i now? do
1: some good reactions okay uh, I'll, I'll listen to them of, afterwards. a lot of mike white chance
0: <laughs> all right yeah we got to get the mike white chance on the jumbotron yeah. so we can get them in unison
1: because it, it's so just a, a scattering a pretty good job of it though like it'll come up at random times but there's pretty good uh chemistry on it yeah, I mean, I he, I thought he was funny to say that uh,
0: he'd like them not to do it when they're about to snap the football, <laughs> which is which is true.
1: Um, I also thought I wasn't at this game. You weren't at this game, but just watching oh, yeah. from home, like that was a loud crowd. I know it was raining and everything, yeah. but I, I heard that opening chant. And I was like, whoa, I mean, they're ready to go. And then all the touchdowns were loud, the Mike White chance and then the ensuing Jets chance after scores. I was like, this is much louder than what I'm used to. I mean, it definitely, really it
0: definitely, definitely feels like MetLife is a home field advantage. Finally,
1: yeah, they
0: do. They it does sound loud on TV again, and like yeah, I mean, considering shout out to all the fans who made it out to MetLife, yep. sat in the rain. I thought about it, um, but nobody really wanted to go with me, and it was just like ah, it's kind of a monsoon. Okay, I guess I'll just stay and watch it uh, at home. Which honestly. I was looking at some of those shots where you could see how hard it was raining. I was like, okay, I made the right decision. But I mean it did we, seem we like a pretty, a
1: pretty rainy game against the Ravens. I don't think it was to this extent. Bro. Yeah, not to that level. But
0: shout out to all the fans over there, man. They they yeah, they certainly were loud, got loud on third down, um, brought the energy. It does seem like Mike White definitely has definitely there's something about him that the fans just really just it seems like the older diehard fans really buy into Mike White. They <laughs> loud for him. And it's just like he's rejuvenating the locker room and in the fan base. I don't know. He is kind of like again. I don't want to get too far out of ourselves, but I do like that when we talk about the pedigree. And again, I say this as somebody who does still believe in Zach, but I like that you know he's a late round pick who's had nothing handed to him and he's had to earn it. And he's been here for a few years, just been kind of bouncing around QB three, and then he gets into you know he gets his chance and he's taking the most of it or making the most out of it. So I don't know. I like that. I think he he kind of fits the whole attitude of this team, but. We'll see. He has to has to put it together for for more than one week uh, for us to really start crowning him the QB one of the future. Um. All right. I mean, is there anything else we want to talk about? I, I mean, I know we could say the black uniforms look great. Are, do you still are you still on the whole? Uh, they should the green helmets look better with the black uniforms, or do you agree with me that
1: the black? Uh, helmets- I, I mean, I do still think that the green is probably better. I will say though that I think the all blacks look better in this game. Sort of in that you know cloudy rainy look than they did yeah in the, Patriots the chrome game. green face masks they do look good like when they zoom in on it and you look at them close up you're like yeah that's cool uh, but like when you're just looking at the regular broadcast i feel like the green helmets look better just kind of pops out more and completes it a little bit it's a little you know what's the word for it like if everything's one color monochrome is that the word Mono- um, monochromatic monochromatic it kind of looks a little bit too much. I don't know. I mean, I, I prefer the green helmets. I think I like it. I like it. They're like a. They, they look good. Stealth black. Like, I'm just this like, pilots. Is, this is seven out of 10. The green helmets is like nine out of 10. Seven out of 10. Come on. You're,
0: you're I like this. The matte black helmet looks like a fighter jet. Chrome green face mask. All right. That's enough
1: uniform talk. But come on. Oh, we also that's have a that's a, that's a damn good look. Are they going to go with green jerseys when they play Detroit in three weeks?
0: That That is a topic for another podcast, but maybe.
1: Uh, one thing we can discuss is the coin finally over. Yes. But the uh,
0: the CYJ great value off-brand Walmart coin yep. flip, courtesy of At Nooner Nation, because I don't want to just steal his whole shtick, is two for two. So And did predict a, a Super Bowl run. So I'm just saying. I think the only loss we had was against the Bills and in the Super Bowl. But outside of that, it was all wins. Yeah. So I'm just saying keep an eye on the, uh, the off brand CYJ coin flip courtesy of at nooner nation on Twitter. Uh, just keep
1: an eye on it. It's off to good just
0: start. keep an eye on it. Oh, what's the, uh, what's the best Mike white nicknames? What are some of the, one? we got white lightning. We got yeah. Mike F and white, M-
1: Miguel Blanco, the white Knight. white Knight. Okay. The um, other one, the New York post back page. So shout out to them. I like that one. Um, you want to do a little Joker impression kind of because that is the term that is mentioned in the Dark Knight. I took Gotham's White Knight and I brought him down to our level.
0: That's uh, I think that's <laughs> is, that, is that Adam? I could Gaze?
1: see, I could see <laughs> some team beat the Jets and then maybe post that. I don't know, Maybe that'll make sense. I don't know. I don't know if I like White Knight. I think I think White Lightning. White Lightning
0: works. I don't know. So tweet that's us your best one. Mike White. Your best Mike White nicknames. Hold on, somebody tweeted us that, so I want to make sure we I get it right. Uh, Michael Stahl. stall for a second, please. Oh, it was at it was at, and thanks for. Oh, I thought dogs.
1: you said his name was Michael Stahl.
0: N- no, <laughs> no, that's It was at NY, NY Sports Guru too, who, who actually okay. also kept track of the coin flip. He was asking for for Mike White nicknames, so I don't know. Let's think of our best Mike White nicknames this week and come come prepared on Friday at the pod. All right, I guess I guess that's it. Um, if you think of anything else, why do these plugs definitely shout it out, but you can follow us at CYJ pod on Twitter. Follow Michael, Michael underscore Nania, myself, Ben W. Blessington, go to jetsxfactor.com for the best place to go for jets content. Subscribe to the jets X Factor YouTube. Uh, please rate review, subscribe on iTunes. That helps out the pod a ton. I think that's it. We will have a pod back on Friday, previewing the Vikings game. Michael last thoughts. I
1: actually do have one more thought. Yeah. Um, do you think that because we know every single time the jets have won this year, Johnny's gotten some ice cream, and I'm kind of looking at, looking at, the situation here, looking at the future outlook with Mike White, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe should we, you know, give him some apple slices on the side, a side salad, something go with this ice cream. Uh, so you're starting so, to, so you're to that little you're, concerned about his health. You're you're that house on on Halloween who's given out like uh, I'm, dental I'm floss. House. I'm just saying, you know, the Jets are doing so much winning; it's like you know you want to draw a line at some point. So. I don't know because yeah. every single time it's like a it's a really big bowl they give him two. Maybe so like, he,
0: he could mix in maybe some you know, froyo. A little
1: cone, but yeah, so maybe maybe decision. some froyo. Um that could definitely balance it out, but uh, I don't think they expected they'd be giving him this much. So, you know, you just want to put him on a good path towards a good healthy future, so. I don't it, know. It is
0: pretty funny. Uh, that 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 has just turned into such a thing. And he he's like every time the Jets win, I get ice cream and yeah, everybody's just thinking it's like, "All right, so you've been like what? 5 times in the last 2 years?" Yeah. Right now, Johnny's Johnny's going off this year. Yeah, I'd love it. I'd love it if Johnny. i We need the the obese Johnny photoshops if they don't exist already. <laughs> all right, I guess that's it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great week. Enjoy the W. It's a great feeling. Enjoy all the the uh, Mike White rhetoric on uh, all the uh, sports broadcasting channels. I think Watch that's all another
1: word it. you can throw into your your arsenal. You say rhetoric a lot.
0: Oh, re- oh rhetoric. Well, the last rhetoric, two weeks, yeah. the rhetoric has been, yeah. I've definitely thrown that word. I'm trying to
1: think. It's Do hyperbolic I rhetoric. I think I definitely have some. Definitely. You, I say that a lot.
0: You say definitely a lot. We talked about it where you uh will you answer something like, yeah, no, <laughs> which I always think is funny. I was listening I back to I the coin flip. One. I was listening back to the coin flip prediction that we did, and I was saying baby like every time I go, let's go, baby. And I'm like, Am I calling Michael? Is am I calling Michael baby, or am I just I don't ever say it, so I don't I don't know. Yeah, tweet it. Tweet us. What other words do we say too much? I don't know. I say I don't know. That's how I end a sentence where I don't know. I how to say end that a lot, lot in this
1: one. I don't it, know. It's a, people in general say that a lot. It's like it's kind of just a filler thing, I guess. Yeah. When you don't, I don't know. Like I was just going to say it right there <laughs> as I explain it. Uh, you're just kind of expressing what's going on in your head. Like I literally don't know what to say right now, so I'm just going to fill it yeah. in by saying this exactly. as I continue to fill out the thought in my mind. We don't We don't want silence. I, I think people are afraid of pausing, kind of like I just did right there. So instead of kind of letting the silence sit, especially when you're on a podcast, I think there's that fear of, like, I don't want to let too much dead air be there. So you'll say um, or like, or whatever to just fill it in. So I would think that's fe- what that is. The silence definitely feels longer when you're
0: talking, and then you go back and listen to it, and it's just like no time at all.
1: Yeah, but- I think that's something I feel, too. Like As soon as I go silent, I'm like, the The more time I spend being silent, just every little millisecond, it kind of builds up and, like, say something, say something, say something. And then you listen back, it's just like, oh, this is pretty normal. Yeah, I, I won't lie. Sometimes I do feel like Michael Scott where I start a sentence and I don't
0: really know where I'm going with it, and I just hope I find it along the way. I do that but a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's podcasting, baby. Said it. There we go. All right, we can end there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great week. Go Jets. We'll be back on Friday with the Vikings preview. Enjoy the dub, baby. Mike Effin
1: White. He's him.